Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hello, I'm Charlotte Hayes, Director of Cultural Programs at the Independent Women's Forum. Welcome to another Working for Women podcast. Julie Gunlock is here with me today. Julie directs IWF's Culture of Alarmism program. Julie's written about food and dietary issues for years. Her latest piece in National Review details the FDA's latest overreach requiring the food industry to lower the salt content in processed foods. The FDA just announced a new set of, quote, voluntary guidance, unquote, to force the food industry into lowering the salt in processed food. The guidelines will require food makers to cut sodium levels in more than 100 categories of food, items such as bread, canned soup, vegetables, frozen pizza, deli meats, and snacks, so, Julie, those who defend this move have been saying, well, this is all voluntary. Tell us about what the phrase voluntary means when it comes to regulatory process. Yeah, um, well, thanks for, for having me, Charlotte. And, um, you know, that term voluntary is kind of funny because it's a, it's a way out that the administration, whatever agency is issuing these voluntary guidelines, can say, look, it's just voluntary. We're not, you know, we're not being... We're not we're not pushing around any industries because they can ignore this. But the truth is is that this industry, uh, the food industry, and many other industries understands that when a a very powerful federal agency puts out voluntary guidelines, it's 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 just it's just sort of code for. Um, I mean, it's this, it's exactly the same as a regulation that has sort of teeth to it. In other words, that they can be fined or in other ways punished by not complying. Um, the food industry is going to comply with this voluntary, uh, these voluntary guidelines. They are going to lower the salt in their products because, look, big business wants to please big government. Um, and so the sad thing is, is that many of these companies can easily comply with this. They'll, <clears throat> they have the money, um, the R&D department to, to reformulate uh, many of their products, but the people that really hurts are smaller companies that don't have the money to put into R&D, don't have these sort of departments that can figure out, okay, we lower the salt, what product can we increase? So a lot of times in low-salt products, you'll have a higher sugar content um, or you'll have some other kind of chemical that sort of makes up for the loss of the salt. Um, and so, you know, many of these big companies, they have these research departments that can kind of look into this, what, what will make our product still taste similar um, without the salt, but but again, many of the smaller companies don't. So this is a this is a real hit on on some of the smaller companies that really can't compete. Well, Julie, it's my understanding that in say two years, we'll really start to taste a difference in some of the foods we're used to. Uh, and and it seems to me that this is really an astonishing affront to the basic concept of liberty. Uh, the federal government is forcing food makers to reformulate popular time-tested favorites. Come on. Um, have you ever seen anything like this happen before, Julie? And why is the FDA so interested in this? And why are they forcing food manufacturers to do this? Well, look, you know, I've never seen anything like this. And it has been rumored for quite a long time. We've, we've, um, we've sort of heard rumblings that this was going to happen for years but I'm, I'm really astonished. I mean, when you, when you think about this, this is a product, food companies are no different from any other company. 
they produce a product, a widget, and people can buy it or they don't have to buy it. And you actually have the federal government coming in and saying, you have to change your product. I mean, it's no different than, you know, than, and, and it's not because of, I think it's important to, to point out here, and we can talk about the sort of the latest medical information that's come out over the last couple of years, but look, the, the truly frustrating part of this is that, that food manufacturers are already providing low and no salt items in the marketplace. I mean, I do all the grocery shopping in my house, so, you know, if, if you're not aware of this, go to the grocery store, walk down the snack aisle, and you will see a universe of choices of low and no salt items. So I think what's really galling for people is that the federal government is essentially saying it doesn't matter what your particular medical needs are. If you don't, you know, if if you have a perfectly healthy blood pressure level, if if you don't require low salt items, it doesn't matter you are going to go on a low-salt diet um, because the federal government wants everyone to lower their salt. Now, again, you know, normally what happens, you go to the doctor and maybe your blood pressure is high and your doctor says, okay, you need to cut out the salt or he recommends something else. And then you do that, right? But, but now with this, because of this regulation or these voluntary guidelines, pardon me, <laughs> um, the everybody is going to go on a low salt diet. And you mentioned in two years, so the the feds, uh, the FDA set two timelines: a two year timeline and a ten year timeline. Um, they have to take uh, in two years. They have to start this process, and so we will start to to taste a difference um, in products. And you can't take look. I I think everyone's probably gone to the store and accidentally bought the low salt crackers instead of the the normal brand, and you kind of you know the minute you take a bite, you're like, what happened here? Um, so people are going to start feeling that. They're going to start tasting that. And and consumers will probably deal with some dissatisfaction with products that they have loved in the past as they as they change taste. Well, Julie, tell me something about food activists. It's my understanding that a lot of food activists, like Michael Jacobson at the Center for Science and the Public Interest, have really pushed the FDA to get more aggressive. Uh, what's the role of these food activists and what is it that they want out of this? I mean, why are they doing this? Yeah, so food activists have for a long I mean, actually, Michael Jacobson, um, who, who in my piece I called Smarmy, and he really is, um, he, uh, he is the head of the Center for Science and the Public Interest, and he actually sued. He sued uh, the FDA for not moving quick enough to bully them into changing their, their products. So, um, he has been demanding that the FDA take action uh, for years and, again, um, then turned to the courts to try to get the FDA to move quicker. Of course, the FDA rolled over and did exactly what Jacobson wants. And we're seeing that more and more, particularly with the, this Obama administration. They are in cahoots. I mean, we have Michelle Obama who pushes her, her, her school lunch program and, and the, the Let's Move program. Uh, Ms. Michelle Obama has been very critical of the food industry in the past. So, they're, you know, they're definitely in partnership here. They know that they have a friendly administration that's going to sort of be sympathetic to their demands. What's interesting about Michael Jacobson is so many of the problems we see in the food industry today are because of activists. For instance, um, several years ago, as we all know, the federal government said you really need to cut down on saturated fats, right? So that's animal-derived fats, so things like butter and meat. Um, and, uh, you know, actual butter. So what, what happens, so the federal government says this, you know, nobody should be eating butter, right? Nobody should. So what that creates is this marketplace for, uh, for margarines. And so we saw the birth of all these different kinds of, of margarines. But 
the food industry, what was frustrating about these products as they developed them was that it, they wouldn't stay solid at room temperature. So they needed to create something. So that's where hydrogen, hydrogenated oil comes from, and that is trans fats, right? Because and the usefulness of these is that they do stay, they stay shelf-stable. They stay solid uh, when at room temperature. And so the, the federal government saying we need to cut down on butter created this marketplace for margarines and trans fats. And so, and Michael Jacobson at the time, you know, he was at the forefront of this saying that we need, you know, he wanted trans fats to be developed. They wanted it because they wanted butter to be out of the American diet. Well, fast forward 30 years, now the federal government actually outlawed trans fats, took it off the grass list, which is the generally recognized as safe list. Um, and so essentially outlawing it after it was the food activists who demanded trans fat. And, my, and, and by the way, my, Michael Jacobson was at the forefront of that, demanding that the federal government take action against trans fat. So again, like, it's often the federal government that makes things complicated or makes mistakes in the food er- arena. It's often food nannies who demand government action, the very government action that becomes the problem. And then when there is a problem that is created because of government action, it is often the food nannies that then demand the federal government correct the problem that they created. Um, so, look, Jacobson, again, is, is doing this. He is, he is demanding that the federal government require food manufacturers to lower the sodium level in all of their foods. Um, and I guarantee you, in, in about 30 years, we'll see some real problems with this policy. Um, and uh, we can get into the, the new medical research now. Uh, we can talk about that, uh, you know, in a few minutes. But we're seeing the, the same pattern is repeated. The, the nannies ask for government intervention. The government intervention ends up being incorrect or wrong or somehow misleading. And then they ask for government intervention to correct the problem that the government created. So it's, it's just the same pattern we're seeing again and again. Well, Julie, I'm going to talk about or ask you about the medical evidence in a minute, but but I want to ask you something else first. It 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 seems to me it's almost as if the freedom to choose, the freedom to choose what you want to eat, is troubling to these people. I, I mean, why do they want to take away our food choices? Yeah, you're right. Okay, so essentially, there's a there's a, a, a theory behind this that the that the Obama administration has has taken up, and it's it's. It's called behavioral theory or or nudge theory, made famous by Cass Sunstein and Richard Thaler, who wrote a book about this, and it sort of took off, and it was, it's very popular with the Obama administration. It basically holds that we, that the government can pass uh, can pass uh, regulations or laws that nudge people. They might not out, outright outlaw things, but they will nudge people to make better decisions. And you know, part of part of the theory behind this is that when you give, it's it's a very negative, impre- uh, you know, opinion of a, of people, particularly Americans, that if you present a series of choices to Americans, they will always make the wrong choice, and that's that's sort of, and so this um, this nudge theory holds that well, you just take away certain choices, you you still leave them choices. It gives people the impression. That they're still making choices. Um, I mean, I do this. This is this is classic parenting strategy, right? I do this with my own children. Um, I say, "Would you like strawberries or carrots?" Right? Would you like peas or or you know um, or or corn? 
Um, I get, I've given them two healthy choices, but it still gives them the impression that they're making a choice. It gives them control, but really I've made the choices for them. I've made two healthy choices, and this is exactly what the federal government is doing now. Um, and when, in the, when you're talking about salt, um, they are not satisfied that the, that the industry has given people choices. You have full salt items. You have low salt and you have no salt. Now, I mean, <laughs> I mean, sort of common sense tells you, hey, that's great. Everybody has a choice and they can make the best choice for their own health. But to, to the behavioralists in the in in, in the White House, th- this is this isn't good enough because you see the bad choice is still there. People can still make a bad choice, and that troubles them terribly. Um, they only want people to make a good choice. Um, Going back to Michael Jacobson, I was in a, a meeting once. Um, a, a particular food company had announced a front-of-the-package labeling system. So this means you, there's some sort of label on the front of the package that tells the consumer if they're making a healthy choice. And this particular industry had, was announcing this, and I was at the, the big unveiling of this new label, and so was Michael Jacobson. And I'll never forget this. The, the person was, was saying how great this label is. It's wonderful. It's going to help guide people if they have a question whether it's a good choice or a bad choice, right? I thought the whole thing was kind of silly, but they were very enthusiastic about it. And this is a, this is a major grocery chain who had, um, who had launched this new labeling. And I'll never forget that when they opened it up for questions, Michael Jacobson had one of the first questions, and he stands up and he says, when are you going to stop selling the things that don't have the healthy label? And, and that is, that is, exa- and you could wow. see sort of the, the sort of oxygen sort of went out of the room. Like they were so, it was such a depressing sort of revelation to these industry people. They, they understood at that moment that nothing that they do to inform the consumer is good enough. What the nannies want and what this, at least this administration wants, is not information to consumers. It's taking away things from consumers, things that they don't approve of, because they believe the consumer is stupid and won't make good decisions for their own bodies. So they want those choices taken away. So that's sort of, in my mind, the reason we're starting to see this. And it's really sad when we start to see an administration accept this type of this this type of regulatory policy that that we need to really take things away from people rather than educating people. Julie, speaking of healthy choices, uh, I want to talk about the medical community. There are a lot of people, many people in the medical community who have said these are not healthy choices. These policies might actually be harmful. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, how, how, is this true? Uh, do, do we need uh, to, to curtail our salt intake? How much salt is too much salt? Talk to me about these things. Well, look, there's, the estimates vary, but in general, Americans eat about 3,400 milligrams of salt every day, which is actually less than worldwide. Uh, around the world, the average is about 3,600 milligrams. So we're still underneath many countries that, that eat more. Now, the, the feds want it, it to lower to 2,300 milligrams a day. Now, people think 3,400 milligrams, oh, my gosh, that's a lot. Well, it's actually only about a teaspoon and a half, okay? And so what the feds are upset about is they say, you know, you can, in your mind, you can say, okay, I'm going to limit my salt. And, you know, the FDA's goal of 2,300 milligrams a day, I mean, that's under a teaspoon. So, you know, you, you say, um, I'm gonna. I'm only gonna eat a teaspoon. So let's say, like, you you take a teaspoon out. You 
you put salt in it and you put it in a little baggie and you say, that's all I'm going to eat all day. Well, that'd be a lot of salt. It seems like, but what the FDA says, it's hard for people to limit their salt because in addition to the salt they're sprinkling on their food, it's in processed foods. It's just in the food. So crackers have salt in the baking of the, in the making of the crackers, salt is put, put in the cracker. So it's hard. They, they say it's hard for, for Americans to sort of figure that out, despite the fact that there is a nutrition label on the back of every, by law, every food manufacturer is required to say, like, this is how much salt we put in our product. And if you really are concerned, you can track that. I've had to do that myself. When I was pregnant, I had to be on a low-salt diet, and I did it myself. I was not too stupid to do this. It was not that hard. But food manufacturers claim that because people can't figure that out, they're having salt in processed foods, and then they're having salt that they're shaking on themselves, and it's too much. Um, But the truth is, again, we're still below sort of the worldwide average, and people think it's kind of insane to take it below 2,300 milligrams or 2,300 milligrams because it's just a very small amount. Now, what's interesting, so, so that's from a taste perspective. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. But from a medical perspective, so there's, for years there was sort of this agreement that cardiovascular disease and salt intake were connected, that there was some connection between, you know, if you had cardiovascular disease, if you had high blood pressure, if you, had, if you were a risk for stroke, you know, you needed to limit your salt. There have been some very, very respected, very large studies that have been done over the last decade that are really putting that sort of agreed-upon theory in question. Um, And there has even been some, I mean, there's a lot of European studies, but even the Institute of Medicine issued a statement um, in 2013 saying that they really suggested the FDA back off of their their regulations because they... They had been threatening this for quite some time uh, because, according to the IOM, the, the, the salt, the medical information, the medical research really, really wasn't, um, they weren't sure. They really weren't sure about this low, if you lower salt, if this really is going to help people. What's interesting is there have even been some, some studies that have come out to say that lowering salt to that level can actually be dangerous with certain demographics of people. Um, wow. That certain demographics actually need a higher amount of salt in their diet. So, what you what you have here is a it's typical of the federal government. You have a one size fits all policy that not only won't work, okay, to make people healthier, but it could actually endanger people. Um, so, so I think that's the real worry here. Is is goodness, you know, there are a lot of really bad policies coming out of Washington, but not all of them could potentially kill people. This is one that could really have some pretty terrible. Uh, outcomes for for certain demographics. Well, so why are the feds ignoring this this medical uh, information? Well, look, they they just I mean honestly they they don't care about this new medical information. They have a goal in mind, and that is to reduce salt in the in food products. There is a real anger, I think, among Washington elites and sort of you know agency heads against processed foods. In general, uh, you know that's uh, you know that's this sort of culture of like the anti Dorito sort of feelings out there, and I think that they they kind of assume that processed foods are just bad, and they want to make them healthier, and so attacking them on 
the salt is one way to do that. And again, they have an agenda in mind. They don't care about the medical evidence. I mean, it's really disturbing that the Food and Drug Administration, which is made up of public health officials, do not care about the latest salt research. Um, it, it's, it is very disturbing to me, again, given that these are, these are people who work in the public health sector and are ignoring a large portion of, of, of research that's been done in this matter. Uh, Representative Andy uh, Harris, who's, who's a Republican f- f- from Maryland, and P.S. is a medical doctor, has looked at some of these studies that question the relationship between salt and, and cardiovascular disease. Uh, in fact, last month during the pa- passage of the physical year uh, t- 2017 appropriations bill that funds the FDA, Harris offered an amendment stating that the FDA FDA has to enact policies based on the most recent re- relevant and accurate science available. Uh, doesn't what the FDA is doing right now fly absolutely fly in the face of this congressional language? It does. It's, it's going to be a problem. I mean, this is this is um, you know these are vo- they may get around it by saying these are voluntary. So I mean that might be. One way that the FDA, I mean, this is, this is typical though. Look, the FDA for years has been ignoring congressional intent. I mean, just flat out ignoring what Congress, I mean, they have, they recently, um, issued some regulations in the, uh, on restaurants, um, and the bill that was passed in Obamacare, there was a small provision, a, a very, very little notice provision that said that restaurants with operating with 20 or more locations, so we're talking, you know, sort of bigger chain restaurants um, have to display calorie information on their menus or menu boards. And it was very small. It was very, the language really only captured, it was really meant for, for sort of fast food restaurants that can kind of afford to do the analysis. And, and so then, so, you know, Congress passed the bill. I thought it was stupid anyway. I think there's plenty of apps and plenty of, there, you know, many restaurants are already voluntarily providing information. Um, so, I, I, again, I thought it was sort of unnecessary. But, um, but, again, it was really meant to capture the big restaurants and then it goes to the, the the law, you know, gets passed. It goes to the FDA for the rulemaking process, and the FDA expands the language to include every possible location that serves food. I mean, I'm talking like 7-Eleven nachos, and and like you know, like you, you go to the roller skate. Does anyone go to the roller skating rink? Let me think of a more like you know, a baseball game. You go to the counter and get a hot dog. That has to be displayed. I mean, they captured every possible food and vendor. And and uh, and snack bar possible, and so again, you know, you have an FDA that's completely out of control. This is not the only thing that this is not the only case where where the FDA is just just absolutely gone rogue. It is it is an agency that sets its own laws, doesn't really care what Congress says. I mean, I'm really happy that that Andy Harris took this action, uh, but it doesn't really seem to matter. Well, is there anything Congress can do to reassert control over what appears to be a rogue agency? There is actually a bill in Congress right now. It's so sad. It says something about, I can't remember the exact language, but it, the, the name of the bill is something like restoring congressional power over federal agencies. I mean, how sad is that? Oh, that, that there actually has to be a bill. Pathetic. Right? <laughs> that, I mean, this is, this is the Constitution, right? <laughs> I mean, I thought that was sort of... That whole uh, three branches of government co-equal, like I thought that was already sort of a part of the Constitution. And so <laughs> there is a bill to sort of restore this. Uh, um, but I, I think, I frankly think that's, that's a truly sad development that, that Congress has had to do this. Of course, of course it's, it's been introduced by Republicans. 
I mean, you know, I don't know what's going on. You know, the, the Robert Byrd, uh, the late senator from West Virginia, was was always very he worried tremendously about strengthening executive power. He worried about these our, certain branches losing uh, authority, and and this you know this used to be just as important to Democrats as it was Republicans. And I mean, I understand that whenever a certain party is in power, has the presidency, then. You know the other, but but you know, the other the other the the party sort of ignores you know maybe some 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 abuse in in that area, but but this really is troublesome, and I think I think you know voters and I think people should understand that we we really Congress really has been weakened uh, by the Obama administration, and it is evident when agencies completely ignore what Congress what Congress uh, the laws Congress passed and what Congress directly instructs them to do. Well, I want to get down to something really mundane, Julie, cost. Every time the Fed requires changes in food products, the cost gets passed along to us. Plus, you know, sometimes companies uh, make these changes and they just don't work. You've written about the Campbell Soup Company and a failure to to make this change that cost a lot of money. I'd like for you to tell me a little bit about, you know, these these. The, the Campbell's soup example, and, and, and how's the cost going to be passed to us? I mean, yes. this is going to cost you and me money. Oh, absolutely. So the grocery manufacturers in America that represent food companies, um, they estimate, and, and they are, are good at estimating these things um, because it is they represent that industry. Um, they say that it's going to be a, between half a million and 700000 per product. So think of that. Wow. So you've got, uh, you've got per product. So you think about these large food companies that produce, like General Mills or Quaker Oats or all these really big companies that produce a multiple, multiple products, crackers and cereals, and, you know, most of, and, and a lot of them, you know, even these big companies are now buying up these little organic companies. So, you know, it, it's, look, the, the food industry is a big industry, and, and, and many of the products in the stores, you know, come from just a few companies. Um, so you think about half a million. Let's just let's just use the the easier to calculate number of half a million. You think they have hundreds of products. I mean, this is going to be hundreds of millions of dollars for them to reformulate all these all these. And do 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 you as a consumer think you are not going to feel this? I mean, look, groceries have been inching up. Grocery costs, food costs have been inching up in the United States during the Obama administration. There's absolutely no doubt about that. That is that is easy to the data is easy to see. Um, and we're, we're seeing even more demands from the food nannies, whether it's GMO labeling, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, d- demands that, that more foods be organic or more foods have these labels. These costs add up, and the food industry isn't going to absorb it. They're not going to say, oh, we're nice guys. We're going to absorb the hundreds of millions of dollars in reformulation costs. So they're going to pass it on to the consumer. You know, I, I have three little boys. You know, I have, I have camps to pay for. I, they, they go through a gallon of milk a week. It's unbelievable, even, even more than that. I can't afford another dollar. I can't. Now, I, I don't live at the poverty level. Imagine for people who live at or under the poverty level. How do they afford this? Um, so, you know, I think consumers really need to understand, like, this First of all, this isn't just not, it's not going to make anyone healthier. It's dangerous. And it's unnecessary because the food industry is already providing people low salt and no salt items. And now it's going to cost you. So, you know, I, I, think, I think people need to get kind of mad about this, frustrated about this, and take it personally. It is personal. 
it will cost you. It will make your life harder. Gilly, this has been a fascinating conversation. I mean, it, I can say this has been a salty conversation. Thank you so very much. It's an eye-opener, uh, distressing stuff, but I'm glad you are telling us about all this. Uh, and thank you very much, Julie. Thanks for having me on. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by iwf.org for similar content.